Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. How many appreciate your pastor this morning? Man. That deserves a hand. Glad they're back. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I feel such a sweet presence of the Lord. I know, I know, I know. There's a lot of things I don't know, but this one thing I do know, that it's not just up here. And uh, we can be grateful of that this morning. Uh, The God that we serve is an awesome God. And uh, the, the longer I live and the more breath I have in my life, the more I realize just exactly how awesome he is. Romans chapter 5, in verse number 5, we're going to pick up from where we left off last week. Uh, when I left here last Sunday, I just want everybody to understand, I had no intentions of being back here again this week. Uh, but I made a statement last week. Uh, while, while making a, an illustration, I said, I am a man of authority and a man under authority. So today, Brother Terry, I'm under authority. <laughs> Amen. Uh, appreciate our pastor this morning, and uh, uh, I have all intentions of getting through this today. Uh, Romans 5 and verse number 5, the Bible says, And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. How? By the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You may be seated this morning. Before I continue on this morning, I want to give a shout out of thanks this morning to Brother Terry for leading us in worship the last three Sundays. Let's give him a hand this morning his help and support. Uh, I, I, I do not mean this in a derogatory sense, um, but it, it's not easy. And I, I think if I were to pick my least favorite service to lead worship, it's Sunday morning. And it's, uh, I, I don't pretend to know why, but... Uh, I have a feeling it's uh, sleep and lack of coffee that might be the reason. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. There's been several things mentioned over the last uh, couple of weeks that if you had any question on the necessity of the Holy Ghost... I hope you're coming to a biblical understanding at this stage of knowing why do we need the Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Ghost first and foremost, as Bishop has taught us for a number of years, I need it to get to heaven. Hands down. I need it to get to heaven. There's there's Bible to support that. And we'll get into that perhaps a little bit later. Since we're going to get done, it'll have to be today, right? But we need the Holy Ghost. I need it to make it to heaven, but I also need the Holy Ghost to live. And, and I'm, I'm thankful today that God has given us these 21 epistles that after I receive the Holy Ghost, after you receive the Holy Ghost, what do I do with it? How do I live? How do I act? What do I do? And, and one thing it's telling us here is that the love of God is demonstrated in our life by the Holy Ghost. And there's a key word in this verse that that we we must not just glaze over and ignore, and it's the word ashamed. Because if you come to God ashamed, there's a very clear and distinct black and white writing that he said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. You can tell. Have you? Maybe I'm the only one, and if that's all, that's all. If so, that's all right. But I've I've been in an environment before 
where that I felt like the people that I was standing around really didn't want me there. Maybe, maybe I didn't have the right brand name of shoes. I don't know. Maybe they prefer straight hair. If they do, I'm in trouble. I, I could get the feeling from their body language and their actions and when they, when they put their back to you, that's a pretty good sign. When, when you're standing in a group talking in a group conversation and the people closest to you turn like this and they're still talking and you're on the outside of the circle, that's a pretty good indicator that you're not welcome in that conversation. And it's possible that they might be ashamed of you. For whatever reason. So if it's, if, it's e if it's that easy for us to understand in our physical environments today, I've got to believe that God in His infinite knowledge and wisdom, that it must be even easier for Him to know when we come to the house of God, whether or not we're ashamed, by demonstration of our physical attributes in worship. Hope maketh not ashamed. What's that mean? I've got so much hope, I'm not ashamed. I've got so much Holy Ghost and love of God in my life, I'm not ashamed of Him. Amen. I don't want to start off on a sour note this morning, but, but what is it? What, what is the element that exists whenever we have a, a let, let's say, an ultra special service, and, and I'm not saying it was this year at Easter, I'm just using Easter as an example, but if, if we have, I don't know how many people we have here this morning, but let's say we have 50, 55 people here this morning. If you pack this place out at 110, 120 people today, it changes. Not condoning it, not saying it should, not trying to be negative today, just illustrating the obvious. Some things change. Our worship atmosphere has a tendency to change. Because there's something in us because of the world we live in, we think that we shouldn't act a certain way. And that the only time it's appropriate for us to be that demonstrative in our worship is when it's just us. But the very reason why those people came is so they could see the demonstration of worship that the church is known for. So we must come to a realization that one thing the Holy Ghost is for, it's a teacher, it's a savior, it's a redeemer, it's a comforter, it's a guide, but he's also got so much power for me that I need not be ashamed of who he is. Because the Holy Ghost is God in you. In you. Somebody look at your neighbor this morning and say, in you. That is the love of God. The Holy Ghost will quicken us. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9 says, but you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you the implication there is that if the spirit of God does not dwell in you that you are in the flesh and not in the spirit he says now if any man have not the spirit of Christ he is none of his that's not my statement. That's the Bible. Unchanged, unaltered, Word of God. If the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. We already established a couple of weeks ago that the epistles were written to the church. So having the Spirit of Christ dates back to the book of Acts. Just re re rewinding the tape just a little bit here. 
Because getting the Holy Ghost, the indwelling of the Holy Ghost in your life occurs at the birth of the church. These verses are just reminders for us and teaching for us that what you have already received, if it's in you, you're His. But if you forsake it, if you walk away from it, if it's not in you, then you're none of His. Verse number 10 continues and says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up, this is important this morning, raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. I want to slow down and we'll repeat it again. But if, everybody say if. The spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. The Holy Ghost is what's going to take us out of here. When the trumpet sounds... When the rapture of the church takes place, well, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. It is that quickening of our mortal bodies that is what's going to take us from this earth to glory. So it's important to understand in this verse, number 11, when he says, but if the spirit of him dwell in you, we can conclude logically that if that spirit does not dwell in you, then there is nothing inside of you to quicken you. The Holy Ghost. It's not just a one-time event. It's a partner for life, Sister Angie. It's, It's what we need no matter where we're at. We'll bring you out of this life. So we've talked extensively over the last few weeks about redemption, about salvation, the Holy Ghost's interaction in our life with being saved. I, I, I look at, at saved in, in three different tenses, past, present, and future tense. Uh, saving and salvation is not just something that uh, you come to an altar on one occurrence, you, you go through an activity and then, boom, you're saved and the rest is history. Uh, I, I can stand here before you and I can declare to you that, thank God, one day I was saved. I did repent and I did change my ways and I was saved. But I can also declare to you today, thank God, I am saved. I've not stopped being saved from, from that moment. And there is also a declaration as the church that we can make that one day we will be saved. from the, 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 the larger part of what Pastor has been teaching on Wednesday nights for a number of weeks. Uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a high number of weeks, perhaps, since he's been in any content where the church is physically here. So the greater content of what we've been learning about in the book of Revelations are things we will be saved from. All the more reason why I need the Holy Ghost. When I start hearing about seven horns and beasts and, and claws and, and hairy things and all this kind of stuff, I don't want to be here. There, there's a certain battle I want to escape. And if I'm going to fight in it, I want to be on the Lord's side. How do I get there? I've got to establish an activity of the Holy Ghost in my life through the Word of God because it is the quickening agent by which we will be, future tense, we will be saved. So there's Holy Ghost in salvation. And there's also Holy Ghost in spiritual gifts. And the, the, the church world, I don't want to say as a whole, there are segments of the church world that are outside of the apostolic realm who confuse spiritual gifts with salvation. 
and they are distinctly separate, but they are still the same Holy Ghost. It's just a method of how he operates in our life. The Holy Ghost not only operates in individuals, but also in the church body. Church is likened to a physical body that has hands, feet, ears, eyes, and all the members of that body. And as members of the church, we are all members of the body of Christ. The Holy Ghost gives each of us a spiritual function. And not all of us are, are destined or assigned to do the same thing. Amen. Now, we live in a society today where if we're not careful, we, we get so intimidated by our environment that we think if we're not like someone else, then we don't fit in. And if we're not careful, we'll bring that same mentality into our salvation relationship with God. And if, if I'm not like this person, then I can't worship. Or if I'm not like this person, then I must not be saved. If everybody... Let me just give you a little illustration this morning. If everybody was like Bishop, then he would lose his uniqueness that we love so much. Not everybody's bishop. Not everybody's pastor. And you can shout to the top of your lungs a thousand times over that you're thankful you're not like me. Because there's days I don't want to be like me. We're unique. God made us different. There are some of you this morning that you're all right where you're at. But if you were standing right here, oh, I'd love to do that sometime. I used to do that in Sunday school class, and it was so much fun. And after we went through every student in the class and they had an opportunity to teach, the following six weeks was the most productive and best six weeks of my teaching life. It was great till it wore off. Not everybody's destined to be right here. There's plenty of times I tell God I'm not. While there's others who are begging God to say, me, me, me. Be careful what you ask for. Not, not everyone's destined for that. Not everyone's destined to play or sing. But that doesn't, those are not, those are not the, uh, the only functions of the church. Every person has a membership place. If everyone were the toe, how would you hold anything? If everyone were hands, how would you stand up? You'd have no balance. Every person has a place. And when we all recognize that in the family of God, we understand that God has giftings and endowments of the Holy Ghost that He gives individual believers the purpose of these gifts are not to edify their self, but they are for the benefit of others and the benefit of the body of Christ in the church. The Apostle Paul lists some of them beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse number 1, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. So he wants us to understand a few things. Going down to verse number 4, he says, Now there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. It means not everybody's going to do everything the same way, but that doesn't mean God's not in it. Every person that stands behind this pulpit is different. Even, even and I've got two people in mind this morning, and some of you know them and some of you don't, but even two people on this earth that are, that are ministers, they're pastors, that I think are probably the most uh, heart-connected, similar people that I've ever known in my life, they're still different. Because that's how God wants them to be. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. In other words, the Holy Ghost has given each of us a special way of profiting or benefiting others. And then after, at this moment, 
we're now given nine of the spiritual gifts. <coughs> Verse number 8 says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds or different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Three gifts are used to speak supernaturally. Prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. Three are used to act supernaturally. Faith, healing, and workings of miracles. And three are used to know supernaturally. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discerning the spirit. How is it we've had people come into this church and look at you and say, you, and I'm pointing in the middle of the aisle so I'm not grabbing any person. You got a back problem. God's going to heal you right now. We've seen that. It's found in these nine. But don't confuse that with salvation. Don't get confused thinking because you don't have that gift that you don't have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost works in the nine gifts, but the nine gifts is not the Holy Ghost. You still need. If you don't have the nine gifts, and if you are a pinky toe, you still need the Holy Ghost in your individual walk with God. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 13 says, In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. After you believed in the message of Christ, after you were re repented, after you were baptized in Jesus' name, you were sealed with the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. The Holy Ghost is this promise from God and the first installment of what God has for us. Amen. I remember, I remember the, the night I received the Holy Ghost. Uh, I was in a revival service. It was a Saturday night revival church service. My dad's church growing up, I was 11 years old. I did not pay one stitch of attention to the message at all. Judge me if you want to. I was 11 years old. I would played the drums during service. We had a packed house. You know what Dad's church looks like. It don't take a lot to pack it. But it was packed. Chairs were put out at the back. Uh, it, was, it was a nice crowd. Probably... A hundred people were in a church that seats 45 comfortable. So it was full. I had made my way back to the back pew during preaching. I wasn't interested at all. I was an 11-year-old kid who had repented and I had been baptized for Brother Terry giving you the God's honest truth this morning, I wasn't interested. My parents had to make me get my hair cut so that I could stay on the platform. I just wasn't interested. Technically, I shouldn't have been playing the drums. But that's a different subject for another time. The evangelist preached and he, he had everyone stand for the altar call as we do customarily. Had everyone bow their head, close their eyes. I'm standing there 
And I don't remember if I bowed my head and closed my eyes or not, to be honest with you. I was at the back. I probably didn't. I'm guessing I was probably staring at the back of somebody's bald head. In a few moments, I, I don't recall, I wish I could, I don't recall what he said. But in a few moments while we're standing during that altar service that night, something just went... Not physically. You, you couldn't hear it. But oh, I felt it. Something moved into that congregation. And he had probably preached a wonderful message. I just wasn't mentally there to recall it. But at that moment, something moved in it. What was it? That's the Holy Ghost. And he said, Anybody here needs the Holy Ghost, come now. I needed the Holy Ghost. Don't know what the man preached, but I needed the Holy Ghost. So I went to the altar, which was a struggle because I was used to going there. But for whatever reason, no musicians were at post at that moment. Must have been God. Something moved through there, got my attention. And when he made that statement, he said, if you need the Holy Ghost, come now. And, and there was about three or four of us teenagers that lined that altar that night. Two of us came away with the Holy Ghost. Amen. About two hours later, I, I got up. That was 1986. They, they didn't think if you got the Holy Ghost in five minutes that you were saved. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. Uh, Mom, Dad, if you're listening to the podcast, I love you. I can remember, I can remember laying in that floor, speaking in tongues for the first time. There was a, a pastor friend of my father who got down in the floor with me and got right in my ear. And he said, son, what you're doing right now doesn't matter what comes into your life. Don't ever stop. One of the worst mistakes you can ever make in your salvation experience with God is to get the Holy Ghost, find yourself a pew, and stop. You want to be saved tomorrow? Keep Him active today. You want God's protection in your family tomorrow? Keep him active today. I need the Holy Ghost. I need his power. Oh, could you lift your hands and just love him together this morning? Don't ever stop. Don't ever stop. I need him. The onlooking world may say it's a crutch. That's all right. Because I never pretended to be powerful enough on my own to begin with. And so if I have a crutch, his name's Jesus. I can't think of any better crutch to have because I know he's going to be stable. And I know he's not going to wear out. And I know if I need to lean on him today, he's there. Oh, hallelujah. If I need to lean on him tomorrow, he's there. At the depths of the pit of my despair, I can still lean on him. So I need that Holy Ghost in my life. Active. Every time I come to church, I need to make sure it's active. Somewhere in my worship, I need to tap into that Holy Ghost. And I need to make sure He's there. I, I, have, a, I have a habit when my wife and I are, are somewhere. doesn't matter where we're at, but it, uh, if we're walking for exercise or if we're in the mall or if we're in a store or if we're somewhere together, 
if, if by some means or, or reason we get separated to where I'm in front of her. I have a habit, uh, and, and she caught on to this years ago, but I have a habit that I'm constantly, I'm looking for. Because I don't like being in front. I, I want to be side by side. I, I like that. I prefer that because then I, I know she's there and I'm comfortable. But if, if, I, if I don't have that comfort in knowing she's there, then that, that protective agent comes out in me and I'm constantly. Is she all right? Where's she at? We need to be like that in our worship. We need to be constantly checking ourselves and make sure, are you here? If you come in the house of God and don't feel him, you need to worship a little deeper. Where are you at, God? Because soon enough, he's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, it's all right, I'm right here. I'm right here. That's what she always tells me. Whenever, whenever she sees that, that head bob, she says, I'm right here. Then I know I'm good for another 15 steps. And I'm worse about it whenever we're in foreign places. Environments where I'm not familiar. How much more should we in our worship feel out God when we're in places in our life that are unfamiliar to us? I don't need to walk this walk alone. I've got someone to help me. I've got a guide. And it is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost then leads us into a life with Jesus Christ. The life of a believer totally transforms into something that's completely different than it was before. It's not an overnight transformation. Some people it takes days. Some people it takes years. And to that end, all I would say this morning is as long as you're walking. You know, I, I, I've heard people make the statement and uh, be careful how I say this this morning, but I've heard people make the statement, well, uh, I, I've, I've not done that yet because God's not dealt with me on that yet. We're in the Word of God. Let, 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 me, let me tell you something this morning, and, and I wish Pastor was in the room still. I'd feel a lot more comfortable. I feel like I'm going like that right now. Let me say something. I'm trying to be as kind and delicate as I can because that's not my nature. So I'm struggling just a little bit. But just to be blunt, that is the most ridiculous statement you can ever make. Because God's not going to rewrite his word for you. He already dealt with you on it when he wrote it. What isn't happening right now is your submission and your obedience. Because if you get the Holy Ghost and you listen, the Bible tells us not to be a hearer of the word only, but a doer also. If you will be an active, participatory relationship with God, with the Holy Ghost, having repented, baptized Jesus' name, got the Holy Ghost dwelling in you, and you come to church and you worship and you engage in the word of God, I guarantee you, you'll never make the statement, well, God hasn't dealt with me yet. People who make that statement are not engaged in the Holy Ghost. It's called resistance. Because the Holy Ghost will lead you, we, we, we discussed last week, lead you and guide you into all truth. Now I will grant you this morning the, the, the leading and guiding into all truth for you and the leading and guiding into all truth for me may take two different periods of time, but the destination is the same. So the Holy Ghost leads us and adapts us when we listen into a life of faithfulness. 
book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. i got to hurry. I'm five pages away. <laughs> Acts chapter 2. That's all right. We've covered eight already. And verse number 41 says, Then they that, say it with me, gladly received his word. We can stop right there and just have a, have a praise break for a moment. If you're struggling in your walk with God, you need to get Acts 2 and 41 out and just read the first few words. Then they that gladly received His word. Because if you will gladly receive His word, it'll make a difference. Once a year, I provide a formal evaluation to my employees. And uh, <clears throat> that's not always a fun job. You know, when you've got your, your stars and your good workers and those that you can't live without and they're there every day and they understand what needs to be done and you don't have to babysit them, those are easy. Those are fun. They usually take about seven minutes and I'm done. Boom. This, 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 and this, we're, we're done. Ones who have a need of constant, constant, constant baby and monitoring. Not so fun. Because I have to give them a direct uh, reflection of their performance. And it's my job to try to do it in such a way that I can motivate them to change. Tell you something. If you ever want to motivate people to change, it's the most difficult job in the world. Even in non-spiritual means. <clears throat> but I have to try to motivate them and explain to them on one hand, this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you're not doing right, this is what you need to do, this is how you need to do it, and you do this, blah, blah, blah. Those that listen, those who are honest with themselves. One of the worst evaluations I ever gave a person was about 10 or 12 years ago, and I was almost embarrassed to give it to him. It was so bad. I'm, I'm serious. And I gave it to him. We talked about it, and whenever we were done, I looked at him. I said, uh, got anything to add? He said, it's the best evaluation I've ever had. Oh Not by score, by honesty. He said, because I know everything you said was true. He was honest with himself. Those that listen, those that are honest with themselves, and those that actually want to do better come out of that evaluation process and they change. It's not overnight, but they change. You can see the progressive development. Those that come into it thinking they're a five when they're a minus one, they're lying to themselves, don't want to listen, don't want to hear, don't want to change. I'm perfect the way I am. Leave me alone. Give me a paycheck. No, it don't happen. They, they, they get mad. They cry. They cuss. They fuss. It's the same way in our walk with God. You come to church. Glad you're here. We can come to church every single service. I think we should. We covered that last Sunday. I think we should. But you can still come to church every service and not change. You can still come to church every service. You can do it for a decade and not be any better than you were the first time you visited. And that's not God's fault. That's not the church's fault. That's not the pastor's fault or the preacher's fault or whoever's fault. That's not anybody's fault but yourself. Because the Bible says in Acts 2.41, then they that gladly received his word, you can hear it and not receive it. That's why I, I, 
I hear some pastors, and I'll catch myself doing it every once in a while, but there's some pastors I know, I hear them, when a, when a man of God's preaching, I'll hear them saying, I receive your word, Lord. Why? Because they're just trying to make sure that God understands that they're taking it. They're listening. They're receiving it. Why? Because listening and being in present company doesn't change you. Holy Ghost changes you. How? By gladly receiving His Word. It's, it's interconnected with the same purpose that Jesus said in His Word that He loves a cheerful giver. If you have to give begrudgingly or if you have to give advertising it to everybody, that's the opposite of what He was teaching. I can remember a gentleman in church that used to come to me every Sunday, well, not every Sunday, one Sunday a month, and say, pay my tithes, pay my tithes, pay my tithes. And he'd tell me how much it was. What do you think of that, huh? What do you think of that? I said, it's the same percentage as mine. Yep, what do you think of that amount? It's 10%. You're not paying any more than I am. Well, he quit advertising it to me. Gladly receive the word. What that means by interpretation this morning is, is you have to gladly receive. If, if you gauge your willingness to receive the word of God off of uh, supporting the things that you like, then you need to change thermometers this morning. They that gladly receive the word gauge their gladness off of receiving things that they didn't like. These people that gladly received the word hadn't even been baptized yet. But they just heard the salvation message preached in Jesus' name. And the Bible says, then they that gladly received the word were baptized. They didn't have to debate. They didn't have to agree. They didn't have to. They heard the word. They received the word. The same day was added into the church 3,000 souls. It's the first day of the New Testament church. At the beginning of that day, they didn't have one member. By the end, they had 3,120. And the next verse tells us how they stayed that way. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayer. What are we doing this morning? We're breaking bread. The Word of God is symbolic. We're, we're breaking bread. We're, we're, we're issuing that bread in fellowship and in doctrine. They devoted themselves. They committed their lives to the cause of Jesus Christ. And the next verse says, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. I wonder sometimes if one reason why we're not seeing more things done is because we've lost our fear. You, know, you see these bumper stickers that says no fear or ain't scared. Most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. There's a reverential fear that we need. It's a submissive fear that understands that I am not God. And all they, verse number 44, all they, all that believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods. Four verses earlier, they were just baptized. They had just heard the word of God and parted them to all men as every man had need. The salvation experience produced a unity in the church that if you have a need I'm here to support you I'm here to help you and they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved the world is looking for a place of belonging 
They're looking for a place of sharing, caring, love, prayer, and support. Not everyone that comes through these church doors is going to stay. You can't fix that. As long as what we are doing to them and for them is founded in the Word of God. Amen. Everyday life. Close with this this morning. Told you. Everyday life has a way of draining the joy right out of you. Church will restore your joy. Everyday life can wear you down. Church will revive you. What's one of the benefits of coming to church? Well, one of the benefits among the thousands is I get to come among a group of people that are just like me. Mistake prone. Flesh. Not perfect. Preacher, you make mistakes? Absolutely. I get to come to a place where that I see other people struggling. Does that make me happy? No. But it does give me understanding. I'm not alone. There is a certain... Uh, I don't know what the right word is. It's not joy. But there's, there's a certain emotion that invokes within us when we realize that what we're going through, we're not the only one. It gives you a certain level of support without anything even needing to be said. Life has a way of making you weary. But church can restore your strength. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 22, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us, this is important, this, this verse is, is one that you need to memorize. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Without wavering. Well, what's wavering? Wavering is, well, I, I, I'm up today because it's Sunday. I, I'm, I'm down tomorrow because it's Monday. Tossed back and forth. Wishy-washy. When you're in the right crowd, you're saved. When you're not, you're not. That, that's wavering. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke. Now we love that. <clears throat> if, 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 I, if I was in the mood to be mean, I would elaborate on that a little bit, but I'm not. But we love to provoke. He says to provoke unto love and to good works. We'll close with this verse this morning. One that we have heard, if you've been here any length of time at all, you've heard Bishop quote it a thousand times over. So we'll make this a thousand and one because it's still relevant for this hour. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As the manner of some is. But exhorting one another. And so much more. As you see the day.
I'll repeat just a tad of what I said last week. Why do we get up here and say, don't forget Sunday night service? Because that verse right there teaches us as you see the day approaching. That's a day we've been talking about on Revelation night. As you see the day approaching, don't forget to assemble yourself. So much more. So much more. So much more. Well, I don't know why you need so much church because I've got so much world out there. I need something to help me. One service isn't going to do it. Because I've got so much ground to cover out there, I'm going to run out of gas. I need to refuel. Stand with me this morning, if you would, please. The house of God is where you experience the living God. It's where you are rooted and grounded in truth. Everything else in life outside of the church will draw you away from God if you don't have a good foundation on which to live. And we gain that foundation this morning in the Word of God. Could you lift your hands with me today and let's just spend some time praising Him, loving Him, thanking Him this morning that He cared enough about us to, to give us uh, 21 different books to teach us and give us examples on how to live with so great a salvation. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.